Turn again in your Bible, please, to the sixth chapter of the book of Judges. And we read again those final few verses of this chapter, beginning at verse 33, and the record here of the Lord's dealings with Gideon and with Israel. Verse 33, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him, and he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early in the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. For it was dry upon the fleece only, there was dew on the ground. Turn with me please, and we'll say together before the message, number 708, if you would stand with me. And sing number 708. Your harp she trembling saints Down from the willows take Loud to the praise of love divine 
bid every string away. Though in a foreign land, we are not far from home, and nearer to our house above, we every moment come. His grace will to the end stronger and brighter shine. Nor present things, nor things to come shall quench the spark divine. Thank you. Be seated. On last week we had begun to take up the study of these last eight verses of chapter 7 in this record of Israel's judges. I had announced that I would treat this text by the use of an outline. And on last Lord's Day, I spent all of our time together in the first point only of that outline, drawn as I did from verse 33 in a message which the full title, I don't have the full titles posted in the bulletin. Brother, you may want to put them on Sermon Audio. The full title, A Storm That's Gathering in the World. We took that from verse 33 where the scripture tells us, Then all the Midianites and Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. And I gave you as a first point for the outlining of this section of scripture, this word, a storm, is gathering in the world. I was contemplating that again this week. It is absolute certain that any time a follower of our God, Gideon in this case, sets out to destroy the altars of Baal, build altars unto God, and offer sacrifices on them, there will be a storm gathering somewhere. And now today I want us to take up yet another portion of this passage by means of the second point of my outline, which I have titled, A Servant That's Struggling in His Work. We saw first a storm that's gathering in the world. And now this morning I'd like us to entertain for just a very few moments a servant that's struggling in his work. This struggle is sharply palpable even by just a cursory reading 
of this portion of our text. Verse, look at verse 36 again. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. And then in verse 39, Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be out against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. I said just a cursory reading of this text would give you clarity in the fact that this servant is struggling. This is the second time that Gideon has asked the Lord for a sign. The first, as we saw, was in order that he may verify the certainty of the identity of this angel that was under the tree. Verse 17, we saw that, 17 and 18, and he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry till thou come again. That was the first time. Gideon asked for a sign, and as I said, the intent of that sign and his desire in it was that he might verify the identity of this angel. But this second request now in this same chapter is needed to aid him in the confirmation of his own calling. You see it repeated. In the narrative, verse 37, Behold, I will put fleece wool in the floor, and if you be on the fleece all in, be dry on all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand. By mine hand. He desires to know that it is indeed his work. That it is his calling to do this work. And so he seeks for a sign in this second request for a confirmation of his own calling. And some scholars think that it was as much for the aid of those around him as it was for himself. When you read his struggles here, and I will use that word time and again, for I believe it characterizes what we're watching. In his struggles, he uses those words. He's struggling. And he sounds, as we read that narrative, very much like an echo of what we hear in the testimony of Moses, in chapter 3 and chapter 4 of the book of Exodus, chapter 3 
and verse 7, we hear these words. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know they are so. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land that floweth milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amor, uh, Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So the message comes. The message comes to Moses. I'm going to use you to deliver them. I've heard their cry. Verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou may that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto the Lord, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Sounds very much like Gideon, does it not? Very much like Gideon. Verse 13 of that chapter, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, shall say unto them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent you. But then in chapter 4 and verse 1, and Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in that in thine hand? He said, A rod. He said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said to Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it. By the tail, and he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. What's going on here? Look at verse 9. That chapter, it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not believe also, if they will not believe, if they will not believe also, these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Sign after sign after sign, as with Gideon, why? What's the problem? What's, what's the problem? Moses is struggling. He's struggling here. He's struggling with a calling. Gideon is struggling as we read this text but now while I fully agree with those requests I agree that these requests of miraculous intervention went far in confirming Israel's confidence. It is much more clear to me from our text that Gideon himself is still struggling with this calling. I could say it in no better words than Kyle and Delich did when they said 
that this request of Gideon's sprang from the weakness of the flesh, which crippled the strength of the Spirit's faith and often made the service of God so anxious and despondent that God had to come to the relief of their weakness by the manifestation of miraculous power. Gideon knew himself and his own strength and was well aware that his human strength was not sufficient for the conquest of this foe. But as the Lord had promised him his aid, Gideon wished to make sure of that aid through a desired sign. I say it again in the words of Calendalich, it sprang from the weakness of his flesh. The flesh struggling against the spirit to believe God. A battle that's as ancient as mankind itself. May I say it again in the word from my title, Gideon is struggling. It's clear. It's clear in verse 39. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. I will speak with this once. Let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with the fleece. It is clear from verse 39 that Gideon was conscious of the fact that his repeated requests for signs may show an alarming boldness and distrust and might rightly tax even the patience of God. Yet, he's struggling. He's struggling. Struggling not with the power of God. He's not struggling with believing in the power of God. He's not struggling in laying hold of the ability of God. This he had already witnessed to his profound astonishment in verse 21. He's not struggling with the power of God. He's struggling with the will of God. Whether or not God meant to use him and whether or not the time is now. This Massive army is collecting, verse 33. There's a storm gathering. And the servant of God is struggling. Struggling. Oh, there is no doubt. There is no doubt but that the deepest springs in Gideon's heart right now are pouring forth mixed waters, sometimes sweet and sometimes bitter. And the consternation of his soul 
is well described in the words of a man that's, I think, significantly called one of a multitude. <laughs> in Mark's record of the gospel in chapter 9, I said this man just simply called one of a multitude speaks words that I think significantly apply here to Gideon's heart. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 9 and verse 17, listen. Listen to this narrative, Mark 9 and 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath the dumb spirit, and whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. <laughs> and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, and wallowing, fo wallowed, foaming, and he asked his father, how long is it since, ago since this came upon him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, you have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I'm struggling. I'm struggling here. I'm struggling. I believe I know you can. But oh God, something in me is struggling to believe. I believe. Help thou. My unbelief. Boy, is there any here this morning who've named the name of Christ that would not stand up and testify with that dear father that day? Is his son wallowing on the ground? Lord, I believe. Oh, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Gideon is struggling. It's a servant of God. The servant is struggling in his work. May I just point you this morning to the source of his trouble? Oh, can I just help you this morning? Let me help you by pointing you to the source of his trouble so that by diagnosing his malady, our God may help some of us also. Notice with me again the words of verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel, by mine hand. By mine hand. As thou hast 
said. Listen now. I'm going to put my finger on it in a minute. Gideon is still struggling with an old, familiar problem. Fear, fear that has plagued him since the very beginning. Look at verse 15 again. And he said unto him, Oh, my Lord, <laughs> wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor and Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Let me just say to you this morning, my dear friend, what Gideon is struggling with at the end of this chapter is an old familiar problem. He's still Struggling with it. I hope you get a hold of this. Listen now. It is an old question in Gideon's life that has already been answered miraculously. I want to say that again and press it on your heart. It is an old question in Gideon's life that has already been answered miraculously. Nevertheless, it still haunts him. It just won't seem to go away. Whoa, here's a soul in struggle and that with an ancient enemy that with an old familiar monster already faced in struggling seasons gone by. Is there anybody here can identify with what I'm talking about? Struggling with an old monster that's been faced down already many times. But it won't go away. Struggling. Struggling. It just won't seem to go away. He's already faced it in struggling seasons past. More than once it has already been overcome. Oh, it's been overcome already. You remember the Lord called him and then he came to him in that night and said, I want you to tear down your father's altar and build another one and sacrifice his seven-year bullet. I want you to do this. And, and he had the victory and he went and did it. He did the unthinkable by the power and grace of God. But here's this crowd gathering in verse 33 and now here it is. Now here it is. Now here it is. In his face, again, he's struggling with the same monster. Lord, I've got to know, I've got to know. Will you send me? Same monster. Oh, who among us this morning cannot testify of these treacherous, familiar, haunting struggles? Indeed, it's their very 
familiarity that makes them so tedious to our souls. Oh, how well did Adershine express it when he said, It was not from total unbelief, but yet in weakness of faith that Gideon asked for a sign from the Lord or rather a token, a pledge of his presence. Those hours, listen to him now, listen to what he said. These hours in the history of God's heroes. When on the eve of a grand deed of the sublimest faith, the spirit wrestles with the flesh. He said these are holy seasons to which the superficial Criticism of a glib profession that has never borne the strain of this trial cannot be applied without gross presumption. When he made that statement, I couldn't help but thinking about Jacob's, oh, Job's friends. <laughs> Job's friends. They couldn't understand. They couldn't understand. They didn't understand the struggle. Job hath. Adersham says, said, when in such hours the soul in its agony is seen to cast its burden upon the Lord, we feel that we're standing on holy ground. It's like a stately ship in a terrific gale. Every beam and timber is strained to the utmost, but riding itself at last and safely reaching the port. Or rather, it's like a close following of Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane with its agony and its prayer and its victory. In substance, though not in its circumstances, it was the same struggle as that which was waged in the night when Jacob prayed, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And the same as when many centuries afterward, the Baptist and his disciples asked Jesus, Art thou he, or do we wait for another? Struggling, struggling. Struggling with an old question, an old battle, an old familiar foe. He's come again, just on the verge of battle. Oh, it's when we find ourselves in the prison house of an old familiar enemy that we struggle again. And we cry out again. And we need a miracle again. And it is then that we find our God faithful again. Oh, how wisely did blessed old Simeon point this out when he said, a similar incidence of condescension we behold in Jesus toward his unbelieving disciples. 
All the disciples had seen our Lord except Thomas. All bear the most decided testimony to his resurrection. But Thomas would not believe. No, no. The testimony of all of his brethren was of no avail. He would not even believe his own eyes, he said. If he should see the Lord, he would not believe unless he should put his fingers into the print of the nails made in the hands and feet of the Lord and thrust his hand into the side that had been pierced by the spear. He would not believe. Then says Simeon, oh, how justly might he have been left to the perverseness of his own mind and to all the bitter consequences of his own belief. How justly might he have been left to it, but no, the Savior appeared to him and gives him the very evidence that he desired. Hallelujah. He was just struggling. He was struggling. And the Lord Jesus comes in kind grace and says, Thomas, thrust him in thy hand. Oh, my dear beloved saints here this morning, Gideon is struggling in our text, struggling with an old and familiar trouble. That's being pressed now right up into his face as God's providence brings him closer and closer to the battlefield. And what will he do? What can he do? <laughs> Nothing better than this. Own his frailty. And sue God for mercy again. That's all he can do. Own it. And sue God for mercy again. With this old foe. Oh did not our Lord. Say to us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me. Ye that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me, ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me, ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me again, ye that labor and are heavy laden. Though it be an old and familiar enemy, I will give thee rest. You may say, but pastor, it's an old battle. Oh, I've been here already over and over and over. You may cry out, Lord, <laughs> Then I ask you, I invite you, I encourage you, cry out with Gideon in verse 39. Cry out, Lord, let not thine anger be hot against me. I will speak, but this once more, help me, help me. Please don't be angry. Just once more, 
just once more. Help me. Oh, and can I just respond with the Lord's words in verse 40? Oh, I bless the Lord for this. Look at verse 40. And God did so that night. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. He's in a deep struggle now. This is a servant. His servant is struggling in his work. And he goes and does the only thing he can do. He cries out to God and says, I'm here again. Please don't be angry. I'm here again. <laughs> and God did so that night. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, my sainted friend. There is a sin. There is some monster somewhere that does so easily beset every one of us again and again and again. Some ugly treachery. Some beast whose face has become as familiar to you as your own. But God will come again. The Lord didn't rebuke him. He came. And he did so that night. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, my sainted friend, it is so. Blessed be our God. Well does he know, well does he know that we are but dust. In the words of Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. And abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That will by no means clear the guilty. Oh, he's so long suffering. He's so patient. He's so gracious. He knows where Gideon is. He knows where Gideon is. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 86 and verse 15, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Oh, turn unto me. Have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant. Save the son of thy handmaid. The psalmist is crying out, help me again. Help me again. Help me again. Oh, listen to the words of lamentations. Chapter 3 and verse 21. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
The Lord is thy portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good. And them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. It's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Oh, he's good. He's good. The Lord is good, verse 25, unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. Oh, yes, Gideon, don't hesitate. Don't hold back. Just tell him. Just tell him. Tell him you're struggling and ask him for what you need. Oh, Gideon, ask what you will, the Lord says. I'll do it. He did it that night. But now notice with me, and I'm rushing to close. Notice with me this, that even in the midst of his struggles, our God is said in our record here, even in the midst of his struggles, our God is said to have done two things for him already, besides the miracles. Beside the miracles now. Besides the miracles. God's done two things for him. Oh, what of so beautiful. Number one in verse 34. He has clothed him. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And if you've got an old King James Bible with the marginal readings, you'll find in your margin the word clothed. And the reason the translators did that, because this word is best described by one Hebrew scholar who said that the image here is, quote, laid himself around him like a coat of mail or a strong equipage so that he became invulnerable and invincible in God's might. Another Hebrew scholar attempting a stab at it said God clothed him with righteousness and faith as a cloak of honor and clothed him with chain mail as a cloak of defense, God clothed him. Hallelujah. <laughs> he sees himself weak and helpless and struggling as he is. And God comes along and the Hebrew says he just clothed him. He just wrapped himself around him. <laughs> oh, the psalmist said in Psalm 103 and verse 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward him that them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that feareth him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Hallelujah. Dear old Gideon, struggling, he comes to the Lord and says, will you just hear me one more time? 
And our record tells us he just wrapped himself around him. Hallelujah. Clothed him, enveloped him, as it were, in his power and in his presence. So I, I ask you, saints, this morning, have you ever experienced that? Could anybody stand up, raise their hand, give a testimony, and say, oh, I've been there. I was struggling. I did the only thing I knew to do. I cried out to God. And oh, he just wrapped himself around me. He can go into battle with that. First thing he's Scripture tells us he's already done for, already done for him. He clothed him. Secondly, he had already used the power of Gideon's previous faithfulness to muster the forces for his present needs. Now listen to me. You'd miss this if you're not careful. God has already done this for Gideon. He has used the power of his previous faithfulness to muster the forces for his present need. Look at verse 34. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he blew a trumpet. <laughs> and Abiezer was gathered after him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. Now listen to me. They hadn't seen the miracle yet. <laughs> you see, they were gathered even before the signs were granted. Gideon's faithfulness in his previous obedience has strengthened others and furthered already his own usefulness. I'll say that again. Gideon's faithfulness in his previous obedience, has strengthened others and furthered already his own usefulness. <laughs> Even enabling him to enlist some that, if you'll remember, have previously refused to join the fight. Verse chapter 5 and verse 17, notice this. Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in ships? And Asher, Asher, why did he continue the sea and abode in his breaches and wouldn't come join the fight? Well, guess what? When Gideon sent out word, the scripture tells us in verse 35, Asher came. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has enabled this servant already. His previous testimony to call in some who never would fight before. 
Oh, my dear saint, hear me this morning. I give you a great lesson. Gideon has not yet even faced Midian, much less defeated them. And so I would apply this to your heart. When you can't do a great thing for God, do a small thing. When you think you can't take up the larger battle to which you've been called, just be faithful in altar building work that you find ready at hand. That's what Gideon has done. Oh, when you can't, Gideon, when you can't save the crops of a whole nation, just go down and beat out the wheat in the wine press where God providence has put you. He wasn't looking to fight Midian. He wasn't looking to deliver Israel. He wasn't looking to command great armies. He's just down here trying to beat out some wheat. Every saint of God needs to learn this. You young people, you young adults, when God has put something in your hand, school. Your schoolwork. You say, I'm never going to be anything great. You're never going to be anything until you learn to do the small things God has given you to do. Faithfulness. God has used Gideon's previous faithfulness to raise an army. They hadn't even seen the miracle yet. <laughs> oh, when you can't save the crops of a whole nation, just beat out the wheat in the wine press where God's providence has put you. Oh, you don't know when God will let you blow a trumpet and call all of Israel into deliverance before God will set your feet in a valley with a Goliath. Listen now. Before God will set your feet in a valley with a Goliath, He'll help you kill a lion and a bear in 1 Samuel 17. Be faithful! Be faithful! Be faithful where you are! Who knows how many more God will use you to raise up? Be faithful where you are. Thresh the wheat. Even if you have to hide in a wine place. Do it. Do it. God used this man's previous faithfulness to raise up an army. Oh, he'll condescend. I'll close with this thought. Our God will condescend to the appalling weakness of your faith. He did do it. He did it for Gideon. He'll condescend to the appalling weakness of your faith and do a miracle if need be to fortify your heart for the battle.
Matthew 25, verse 21, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. Oh, that every saint of God may learn this lesson. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Gideon wasn't trying to be a great ruler, a general of an army. He was just trying to be faithful. And even in that, he was struggling. But the Lord saw him. He will condescend to the appalling weakness of our faith and do a miracle if need be to fortify your heart for the ensuing battle. Turn with me, if you will, please, and stand with me. We sing together hymn number 717. soul be on thy guard ten thousand foes arise the hosts of sin are pressing hard to draw thee from the skies oh watch and fight and pray the battle ne'er give o'er. Renew it boldly every day and help divine implore. Ne'er think the victory won, nor lay thine armor down. Thy arduous work will not be done till thou obtain thy crown. Fight on my soul till death shall bring thee to thy God. He'll take thee at thy parting breath to his divine abode. <sighs> 